Welcome back to series two of The Remote Life. My name is Han Talbot, also known as Han Meets World, and to kickstart this series, we'll be chatting with Brogan Tate. Based in Bournemouth, England, Brogan is a full-time lifestyle vlogger and has been creating content online for 10 years. In this episode, we talk about her journey to full-time vlogging, how she plans and manages her content, and staying motivated on the low days. So grab a coffee, a tea, or something stronger, and let's get started. So Brogan, thank you so much for being with us on The Remote Life podcast. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Han. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Oh, just let's begin. Tell us a bit about you, your background, like connect the dots for us. Yes. Okay. So I will try not to give you my full life story, <laughs> but I will give you a bit of context because I feel like when you tell people you're a full-time YouTuber and vlogger, they don't really understand how you got to that point because it's not a conventional, traditional job and career. So I started my YouTube channel 10 years ago when I was 17 and it was only ever a hobby, obviously. Back then, no one ever thought you could make a big career out of being a YouTuber. And I was a really shy, quiet, never in front of the camera kind of girl. I was always backstage for shows. I never really liked acting or dancing or being on stage. It was never really my thing. But being on YouTube, grew my confidence really quickly and being able to connect with people that were like-minded and I'd share things like my boots haul and what's in my school bag and learning to drive and all those things were important to me at the time and finding my people online was such an amazing feeling. So I fell in love with YouTube straight away but I decided not to go to uni so I ended up doing the whole like career path and uh, I wanted to go into journalism or writing or something like that but my writing wasn't very strong. And I knew I liked working in social media, obviously, but I did quite a lot of different jobs. And so I'll run you through some of the jobs because they do all kind of make sense because each one sort of gave me skill sets that I kept with me to be able to do what I do now. And so I ended up being a manager in a a children and baby shop. So I worked in retail for a bit, which taught me a lot about good customer service. And I did a lot of the website and social media for that. Then that led me on to do sales and features editor at a publishing company, which was great. Again, helping with my writing, but realizing that was not where I wanted to be. And then I worked at Lush head office um, in customer care. And working at Lush was one of those jobs that I really thought would be a career, like stay there forever kind of thing. Wanted to be part of a big team and big company. But um, again, a better opportunity came up. So I moved on from there and I ended up it's my first glimpse of what it was like to maybe not do the whole nine to five. I ended up deciding to do three different jobs. So my YouTube channel started picking up. I started doing brand work and this was about maybe six years ago. And I also worked as an administrator and an activity instructor at Go Ape. So completely different jobs that particular year or two. So one day I might be in the office in my work clothes as an administrator. And then the next day I might be in my walking boots running around a go eight campsite. And then on the weekends, I might be going to the PR launch for a new L'Oreal lipstick in my high heels. So my weeks were so crazy. And filming that and vlogging that was really exciting because the audience really felt like they were seeing me grow and change and finding my feet with things. And eventually that led me on to do my last full-time job after that was I became a marketing manager for an iced coffee company. And that was like a really big job for me, but so demanding, so crazy. And then I basically had that sort of crossroad moment where I was like, my YouTube channel is picking up. I really believe in it. 
And I ended up having my final last job was um, self-employed for a social media company. So I worked as a social media manager, which was so nice to go from marketing manager to social media manager because I let go of all the like, well, all the responsibility that came with being a marketing manager. So <laughs> so yeah, self-employed for uh, with them for about 18 months. And then I left to do my full-time YouTube. Like the company said, we want you to come on full-time, work with us. And I said, I can't. I just really think my YouTube is is going in good, good ways. So um, 2018, took it full time. And here we are. So, yeah, that's 10 years of climbing the career ladder, learning everything I did and uh, getting to a point where I could actually make it as a full time vlogger, which is wild to me, especially as I never reached big numbers. I never had viral videos. I never, I've not hit 100,000 subscribers. So I still feel like a bit of a small fish in a really big sea. So, yeah, it's quite cool that I can do this. That's super cool. That's going to be one of my like favorite career path journeys ever. Yeah. So for somebody, obviously like you started doing more than one job in a time when it was actually not that normal to have as many like jobs as well. What would you, your advice be for somebody who is maybe looking at doing something similar? Like how do you juggle your time like that? I mean, not only just back then, but obviously you work with a couple of few brands now. How do you manage that? with your time? Yeah, I think it was hard because I was so desperate to try and earn money to be able to travel and do the things I wanted to do. So that was my priority. So a lot of the time I was just filling all my time with my work. But I think don't be afraid to try and do things that you wouldn't normally look at doing. So people were surprised I went to go and work at Go Ape. And originally when I worked there, I worked front of house on the reception, which made a lot of sense considering mm. I'd been an administrator. So I was really good at organization, filing, paperwork, booking people in, signing the disclaimers. And as I worked there, because I was gaining confidence and I'm quite loud, my boss basically thought I'd be very good at giving a brief. And so he encouraged me to try and be an instructor and go out and you know take people around the course. And I think that whole experience boosted my confidence and and showed me that I was capable of more than I thought. So when you are trying to figure out what works for you and how you elevate your business, your remote life, your working career, it's so hard. But you try try different things because you might surprise yourself actually. And yeah, I have absolutely no regrets. But when it comes to the brands I work with now, it is a case of being able to have good time management and it's about being able to multitask in a way that there's so many elements to working with brands that's a whole sort of separate thing but I try not to take on too much actually it can be easy for me to take on too much and then overwhelm myself and especially when you are working a few different jobs you sometimes don't always get the chance to have much of a break mm-hmm. I remember there were weeks that I didn't actually have a day off or if I did it would be like an afternoon and got to rest you've got to give yourself that space and time and being able to say no as well when you're trying so hard to like you know achieve certain things and grow it can be easy to just say yes to everything and actually have to be more selective and what actually fulfills you and works for you so yeah it was it was a weird time every year I kept changing my job and people would say to me this would look terrible on your cv that you keep changing and I was like yeah, but I feel like I ran its course. Some jobs were six months, some were 18 months. You know, maybe I wasn't there for long, but I felt content. I felt like I got what I got and I was ready to move on. And, you know, it obviously worked out. But yeah, just do, you do you, you know? 
Absolutely. It's very interesting you say that because I know that I've had similar reactions to some of my, not, not, well, basically I've had, I, even when I was full time, I still did some contract work. So, you know, I'd be asked to launch a company and it would last seven months because it was a contract. The point was that you launched it and put it into business as usual, for example. And it's very interesting that like similar people have had similar experiences. You also mentioned that you're allowed a go ape, but starting out, you prefer being behind the camera. Do you think mm. that there was like a pivotal moment or like where you just discovered that you are? Because I've always considered you a very kind of extrovert person anyway. And I think you've said you're extrovert. Mm. Do you think there was a yeah. moment where you just embraced that at all? Do you know what? I think it came over a long period of time because, like I said, when I started, I was not like I wasn't extroverted and I left a lot of my school friends behind at school and a lot of them didn't understand why I wanted to make YouTube videos. And actually, some of them were really mean and said really mean things. And that knocked my confidence really early on. Mm. But I actually think over time, it was all the managers, bosses and people that could see something in me, believed in me. Because back then, 10 years ago, eight years ago, trying to get a job when you don't have a degree meant you really had to stand out and prove yourself a little bit more. Because I didn't have the experience or the degree to back me, it took the right people to say, we think you've got what it takes and we want to give you this and guide you. Some of my managers you know, I had no experience in what I was doing and they would help me and support me. And I think that really boosted my confidence as I went along, people really thinking that I could do it, along with people coming online to watch my videos. So, you know, my day-to-day job, I was feeling content. And then online, I was feeling like, wow, people enjoying my videos. Obviously, borderline ego boosting because (laughs) you don't continually want to be fed positive stuff. It's always good to have that balance. And that's why I really am pleased I had that traditional career route because I did have some tough love at times Mm -hmm. and um, I learned a lot. So, yeah, I think that's where the confidence sort of came from. I do think you have to have almost an air of arrogance that you really, really believe in yourself. But I don't think that's a bad thing. Like, you know, I used to get called bossy. And I'd say, yeah, but someone's got to be the boss. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) If I'm not bossy, who's going to take control? Like, it's actually a good thing, you know? So, yeah. I even said to somebody once who said, call me bossy. I was like, I'm not bossy. I'm assertive. And I went, oh. Yes. Okay. Because, again, I was thinking, not to get too, uh, like, super political about it, but I was like, you wouldn't say that about a guy. So I was saying about women. But if you turn it to assertive, it's so much more empowering as well. Yeah. People are intimidated by women who have confidence and want to do big things for themselves and actually really, really genuinely believe that they can they can do it. Because, you know, I think a lot of people, they stay in the same jobs, same companies for long periods of time. And that's great if that works for you and you're feeling content and you're feeling like, you know, you're growing in that company, then perfect. But I think I wasn't afraid to say this is not serving me anymore and I deserve to have better. And I, I put in the work ethic and time when I was a marketing manager, I would dedicate hours and hours well outside of my role. I would sell iced coffee out of a van, which is not my marketing manager role, but I did it because I was there taking the photos and I was a team player and I knew that I was a good team player and the, and the company recognized that as well. So yeah, it is a lot about believing that you can do it. I really believe that mindset is it. It doesn't really matter who you are, where you are, what you're doing. If you show up for yourself and say, I've got this, that's a big part of it for me. Whether I was on the course at Go8 or working with a brand like M&S or EE or Disney, like 
all of those times I had to say, right, these people believe in me and they're working with me for a reason. So mm. I have to, I have to give it my all. And I'm really passionate about that, as I'm sure you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I'm sat at the other end of the point, like, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for the days though, because we're, we're only human, right? Occasionally, once in the blue moon, we will have that day where we just wake up and go, I cannot be bothered today. Do you have a formula? I mean, do you have those days? Do you find you have those days? And do you have a formula to kind of get yourself back to that assertive, confident place? Yes, I think you're not human if you don't feel a sense of lacking motivation or everyone goes through those periods of time, whether it's the work that's affecting or it's your personal life affecting your work life. Like they're very much entwined. So especially when you're a YouTuber, your life is your work because your work is sharing your life. So it's even harder to, you don't have any separation, unlike when you close the door at a job. Um, This is my job is to share everything. So I do try and give myself time away from the internet. So over the last few years, I have had a better life, work-life balance. And if I do wake up and I'm not feeling it, I just give myself that grace, actually. Like I didn't become self-employed to not have flexible working hours and flexibility to do what the hell I want. Mm -hmm. And I felt really guilty. And sometimes I still do, especially when I vlog on a Tuesday morning and I'm at the gym for three hours, having a jolly, having my lunch there, working from there, eat, you know, going to a yoga class or whatever. And I'm there for ages. And people say to me, oh, you know, well, you can only do that because you work, you know, you make your own hours. And I'm like, well, sometimes I have to work right up until 1, 2 a.m. Sometimes I work the weekends. If I wake up and I'm not feeling motivated and I don't have an immediate deadline for something, then I'll just go and take myself places that I know will help boost that. I'll go on a nice long walk with Bonnie. I'll go and hang out with my mum for lunch because we can, because she's also uh, a businesswoman, has her own business. So, you know, I know that I'm really lucky to have that time and space and I never take it for granted. So, yeah, I'm very lucky in that sense. I never had that luxury when I woke up and didn't want to go to work. I had no choice. I had to go. So I think it's one of those massive perks, isn't it? To being self-employed, you can say, do you know what? Actually, I just don't want to do it today. I don't want to do it. But most of the time, I love my jobs. Exactly. Like, I love my job so much that most of the time, even if I'm feeling a bit flat, I'll just do the bare minimum and I'll try and get some stuff done. And then once I get in the flow, I get a bit excited and motivated. So actually, sometimes I just need to like, give myself that kick. But I do think you have to be pretty self-motivated and driven because Benji won't mind me saying this, but my boyfriend, Benji, we've been together almost five years and he's a very hardworking, got good work ethic, but he could never work for himself. He does not have that self-drive. If he was here at home all the time, he'll be on the sofa. He wouldn't be getting dressed, you know? And and so he needs that get up and go. He gets up at 5am and he's out the door and his, his um, colleagues are the ones that lift him up and boost him. And that's the kind of person he is. I think you have to be a certain type of person to do this sort of work. I think you'll agree anyway. You, you get it. You do the same. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think one of the things that I talk to when people ask me, not even just about self-employed remote work, but even when I, back in the day, like, or, you know, before blogging really took off, people were saying, oh, I want to start a blog. Like, how, like, give me your tips. And I'd be like, well, it's not about if you're good enough or not. It's about how much you're willing to put in. And people, unless you've got like that kind of, right, okay, I know that I've not done what I need to do to today. Like you said, I'm really not feeling, I could be three days in a row going, uh, but like life, and you've still got to find something in you to get going. It's not about, am I naturally inclined to be self-employed or not? It's about, can you do it? That makes sense. Yeah. 
And like you said, so up yeah. before, so much of it is mindset. So if you're willing to put in the effort with the mindset, like there were a couple of years where I had to be like, right, I've got to put in the extra hours to be able to do this. And it looked weird for a lot of people for a while that, like you said, when you have this confidence in yourself and you know what you're doing, even if it's just a gut feeling, then it's mm. totally doable. But I think, yeah, so much of it is definitely down to uh, how many hours, not, not necessarily hours. It's not even about like, because people go, oh, it's so much hustle or like, you're always working. I'm like, no, I'm I'm doing something I genuinely care about and there's a difference. And I know that I want to put the time in and the effort. It's all the effort. Mm-hmm. I, want, I want to put the effort in. There's a difference versus some people going like, oh, well, you know, I, I wouldn't mind. Or you know, just people even kind of going the other way. Like, oh, this didn't work today. Don't give up. <laughs> it's not about yeah. this didn't work today. So therefore I can't biologically do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, completely agree. So. Did you potentially like have a bit of a, a business mission or like a why for when you were starting your YouTube? I mean, I know you were talking about sharing your life and things that mattered to you, but like, or even like in the last few years when it started becoming more like a very kind of obvious income stream, would you say that's a fair kind of... Yeah. Like, um, did you have a why or a particular overall kind of reason for wanting to do it? That's a good question. I think there are loads of reasons that I like doing what I do. From a personal perspective, business-wise, it really does give me that flexibility. And I like being my own boss. I really like being the one in control. I like making the decisions. I don't have management, so I don't have a team behind me. I do all my own brand deals. So, you know, it's weird because it's probably 40% creation and 60% admin for me anyway. And Mm -hmm. I love the emails, the contracts I have to go through, the negotiation, the content reports I make, you know, replying to all the DMs and comments. So I think that's one massive element for me is how how fulfilled it makes me. But the second, when it comes to my why online, there is nothing quite so rewarding when you wake up in the morning. And this is pretty much every day for me, which is such a blessing. But you get a DM from somebody like, just wanted to say your video made my day or you inspired me to do something or you comforted me in a time I really needed it or your video was so entertaining, I was laughing out loud. Uh, people call me like like a comfort YouTuber mm. or that I'm the person they go to when they want to feel like motivated or inspired or just feel like I'm there for you, like a mm. sister or a friend. And that is something I've never felt in any of my other jobs. Like it's just so rewarding. And I know I'm not raising loads of money for charities or doing anything uh, groundbreaking, but I know I do make a difference to some people in some weird way. And that was never my intention, but it almost rolled out that way. So when I show up and do videos, selfishly, a lot of the time it is for me. And um, I make the videos because it pays the bills, but also because I love it. And I make videos most of the time because it is almost like therapy. It's so comforting and and therapeutic to me to talk about stuff and share what I'm feeling and having people understand that. And if it helps people as a byproduct, then how lovely is that? So Mm -hmm. I think for me, I just really love being able to come online and make content that I would want to watch as well. Sometimes I think there's a gap. There's not a lot of people that are making the kind of content I want to make. And so it is a really exciting to me that I can I can do that and I can be that person so yeah I mean I'm obviously not Zoella I don't have millions of followers but the followers I do have the videos I do make I'm really proud of and uh, I really love 
doing what I do, whether it's a reel or a video or going to an event or sharing a story or whatever it is, I get great fulfillment out of it. And it might not last forever. So I'm just soaking it all up while I can, you know? I think it's so interesting you said that because yeah, you can 100% tell that you love what you do. Like when we're at, um, when we're in Palmer at that conference, it was almost kind of, it was, it made me smile just seeing you like go off between set, um, sessions and be like on the computer creating your reels and like you're just so dedicated and you kind of get a bit of secondhand like kind of vibes from that for yourself. Because I was like, right, well, I'm going to sit and do a post or like it was just really <laughs> lovely to be around. So no, I think. And also, it's very interesting that you said, like, oh, I'm not so well at, or I've been doing this 10 years and I still feel like a, a small fish. But I don't think that's the point. It's very interesting you mentioned that. I think it's the fact that you have been around long enough, your opinion has been around long enough, your vibe has been around long enough, and people trust that. I think mm. that's, that's what people come back for. And I think that's just so important in social media, especially now, and in influencing. So when you say, like, I don't think there's a lot of people doing what I do... I think you're right because there aren't as many YouTube well, that's that's a very unfair thing to say. I think there are less and less people online now who where you can just feel like you're sitting in the room with a friend watching them do a haul and you genuinely feel like they are actually showing you what you know they love and don't love. So just wanted to put that one in there. <laughs> you're not a small fish, my love. Oh, thank you. Oh, I really appreciate that. I am really proud of my content and and yeah, the, the whole trust like thing is important. Not just trusting what I say and what I share and the brands I work with, which is a massive part of it, but trusting that I'm going to show up and I'm mm. going to make videos and I'm going to be there. Like you can rely on that. I'm going to, I'm always going to be true to myself, but also I'm going to have balance. I'm going to have boundaries. I'm going to have space. I'm going to take mm. time off when I need it. And people respect that. They're really kind. Like as we're recording today, uh, I've actually just uploaded my last vlog of the year. So obviously we'll be in 2022 when this is live, but I just re- uploaded the last. Did you want to say that? Well, now I was going to say, go check it out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you. Um, so yeah, so my last vlog has just gone up and and even calling it the title last vlog of the year I'm saying goodbye I will be back this is what to expect they're the kind of things that build trust with the audience they're like mm-hmm. Merry Christmas have a lovely time Happy New Year can't wait to see what you achieve next year and it's it's just that community feeling and you know what there's always people that show up on my channel or mm-hmm. my pages and they try and knock me down or bring me down or try and twist my words or misinterpret what I say but ultimately a lot of it is just you're getting 80% of me there are elements of me I keep to myself and I don't talk about and people are okay with that they you know what I do share and talk about is from a place of I really think you'll like this because we're the same people we like the same things you know we talk about selling sunset and on Netflix and uh wearing crocs on the dog walks and like so silly a lot of the times but people get it they like it and I like sharing it so it just works absolutely and oh my gosh selling sunset cannot wait for the next season and just FYI (laughs) same and Emily in Paris and all of that I love it I used to it's funny because I used to feel quite um ashamed or embarrassed about like things I liked because I didn't ever feel cool I used to feel like um like my music taste is a pretty trash and it's fine or 
And um, actually, as I've got older and started caring less and sharing more online, you realise that actually there are loads of people mm-hmm. out there that feel just like you. Like, I think I felt a lot of pressure to look a certain way, be a certain size. And, and when you think of a, an influencer, you do have this sort of image, unfortunately. And I think it's incredible that the influencer space is, is changing so much. And we have such a diverse group of people coming up online at sharing what they're doing whether that's just on Instagram or writing a blog post or whatever there is so much diversity now and I love it I'm learning so much and I'm feeling like what an exciting industry we have with people that are just giving us so much I really love it so yeah always pros and cons to every job but this one's got loads more pros than cons for sure love that just before I move on to the next question how do you know when you've found your 80% line with how much you share? Can you describe it, do you think? I think it's a bit of trial and error. So I have shared stuff and then felt like maybe I shouldn't have shared that or maybe I could pull back on sharing that or did I really need other people's opinions on that? So there's stuff like basic stuff like I don't talk about my sex life with Benji for example (laughs) like that to me is like really obvious um you do you if that's what you want to talk about I think it's great like we should be encouraging those conversations but for me personally that's not what my channel is and I do a little bit of volunteering and I don't feel the need to talk about that online um because it's for me and for the people I work with not for Mm. online so there are elements of things that I uh, a hard nose for mm-hmm. me and it's very obvious but mm-hmm. the rest of it is um is yeah it's trial and error it really is so to figure out but a lot of the time I just go with my gut feeling mm-hmm. and I'll upload a video and even last night I said to Benj you know what I do talk about reflecting on the year I talk about my goals for next year and I'm very careful about what goals I chose to share and I talked about how I've had a really happy positive year and I almost felt guilty for that like because I know it's been a really tough year for others and I didn't know how people would respond to that. So, and he was like, but if it's true and you feel that way, then why not share it? You know, if that's how you're feeling right now, people actually need to hear that. People need to hear that other people are are enjoying things right now. In a time where it's so uncertain, it's nice to show up and say, actually, I'm doing my best and I'm, and this is, this is me and this is what I want to achieve next year. And, and I hope you're all okay. So yeah, it's wild being online, but I do my best. I do try and have balance. Nice. So is there like one big lesson for you that you're taking into 2022 at all? Oh, good question. I think it's not about quantity of my work, it's the quality. So I felt the need to upload eight times a month, 10 times, the more videos, the more exposure, the more people will find them. But actually, it's more about putting out work that you really love, that you, I much think, I think quality always so reels I felt this great pressure to make loads of reels as well because reels help you grow and the more you do the more you know you'll be seen and I stop how that for me like I have plenty of followers enough that's making this my job enough that I'm working with brands what I need to do is continue putting out good work that really I believe in that I really like even if it is seven ten second long little reels I've made with Bonnie if I really like it in that moment I'll upload it like I am the kind of girl that will upload a reel at like lunchtime or nine o'clock at night or random times and when we were in Parma I uploaded two or three times in one day I think yeah. and I remember like I've been on press trips before and creators would say to me and my other creator friends would say I can't believe we're uploading twice in one day like gosh it's just 
you know, can't do that. It's against like all, all Instagram rules. And I was like, yeah, but I'm feeling this in this moment. I like this content. I might not upload for five more days. So who cares? Yeah. So, but yeah, I do, I do believe in the, in the quality of stuff, not need, not feeling the need to like constantly churn out content. Cause I think as a creator, you do feel that pressure to like mm-hmm. keep making more and you can't, you have to do what you can do, slow down a bit sometimes. Absolutely. And you have touched upon something that's also, I think, been the bane of like kind of creators' lives as well, which is the algorithm. Bom, bom, bom. And I, yes. I don't know about you, but I feel like the algorithm, while something to bear in mind, I think is probably going to become a little bit less relevant, dare I say, because I think mm-hmm. you touched upon a good point about it's not about when you post, as long as you are posting something you believe in, which feels so much more mm-hmm. important with the billions and millions of people who are now online so Mm, yeah yeah I think I agree with you on that one is there anything that we should know about becoming a full-time vlogger that is not necessarily obvious I think you do have to give quite a lot of yourself and it is really hard to take constructive criticism or trolling and the negativity is hard when it's on your you, your personality and your life rather than your work. It takes a lot of strength to show up and then be hit hard. And um, when I talk about how bad it can be, I think people underestimate. They think it's just a comment or two. But the lengths that people go to these days to get my attention or to upset me are quite shocking, actually like leaking my address and my phone number and things like that. Very intrusive, sad side, dark side to the internet. So I think people are aware that this comes as a part of the job, but I don't think people are quite so aware of how bad it can be. And so I really, really rely heavily on uh, my friends and family and having content creator friends that get it because my offline friends are really good for that escapism and for being good listeners. But my fellow influencer friends are the ones that like will remind me if this is worth, you know, addressing or getting upset about. And we talk about it. So I never feel lonely, but I do feel like you've got to have a really strong support, thick skin and be prepared to manage things and decide what needs your attention and what doesn't. Because it is definitely the hardest part, at least for me anyway. The, the lengths that these that some people go to like outrageous hand honestly mm. I can't even explain it but there we go like I said yeah. pros and cons so yeah it's so exciting being a content creator but you have to be prepared and also be able to reach out to people that you love and care about and talk about it because even last night when my friend said on the phone oh I had a I had a hate comment on one of my videos and um I didn't I thought it didn't upset me but I'm still thinking about it it still upset me and I was like do you want to talk about it like what is what is it should we talk about it we should break down why you're still thinking about it and let's decide and we call it the effort bucket (laughs) of PG that one um so we, we throw it in and then we put the lid on you know so you mentally decide what goes in that bucket and it gets full let me tell you <laughs> so yeah. that's how we manage it that yeah <laughs> do you have any other ways that you deal with things like do you journal at all do you do meditation do you have any things like that that you do to kind of get yourself sort of feeling you know at least like so those thoughts are neutralized let's say yeah I write a gratitude journal I actually use um you know the brand five minute journal yeah. um they have a, a very popular famous 
diary that you literally write three things in the morning, three things mm-hmm. in the day. And it's like three things you're grateful for, three things that you want, you're looking forward to and whatever. Well, they actually have an app which just changed my life because although I love physically writing, I found I wasn't gravitating towards my actual diary or journal. So I go in the app every day, I get a reminder at 7am and 9pm. And every day I write out, I've been doing it 210 days uh, right now in a row, never missed a day. And so that really helps me, sets me up well for the day. And also I'm not afraid to have a lot of blocked words. I block people all the time. I just have no shame in my space and my corner on the internet is mine. And just because I put myself out there and all freedom of speech does not give you the right to come on my page and say whatever you want. If I, it's not, not even a case of necessarily not agreeing, because I think it's a fine line between constructive criticism and being awful. But if you're actively coming on to say something that isn't worth my time and attention, I'm not going to give it. So that's why I have like all my comments on approval on my YouTube videos have been for years and Instagram's the same. So having those boundaries online is good for me. And then offline, yeah, like I said, my gratitude journal is lovely. Do you have one as well? Do you do the same? So I wish I was better at it, but um, so I don't know if you've ever read this book. It's called The Artist's Way. And people... Oh, I have it. I haven't finished it though. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I'm a Yeah. I think we've I've met <laughs> there she goes. just going off to find it. I love it. <laughs> I do. I do. It's on my shelf. Which week are you on? Oh, there it is. I love that. No, I'm not even on a week yet, Han. I'm literally at the beginning introduction. I don't know whether I should I should spoil it for you then. Oh, okay. No, um, give me a brief rundown because I don't know what I'm letting myself in for here. Okay, so The Artist's Way is a book that myself and my accountability partner, Tara, who was in series one, you can go back and find her episode, um, cheeky plug. We um, ha- did The Artist's Way back in February 2021. And basically what you do is you work through each week. I think it's about 16 weeks, something like that. It's like about three three wow. months, so probably 12 weeks then. But one week, essentially, without trying to ruin too much, you have your journal in it. What you do is you t- each day use this journal, but I just use like paper, notepad paper, nothing special. Yeah. You write down three pages of your thoughts each day. And so that's just your chance to get everything out for the day. But what I've kind of, although it tells you to do three pages for the artist way, I've kind of evolved that since to just do whatever it is I need to get out of my head that day. And it's just a very interesting way to, I used to be much better at doing it daily. And it was just such a great way to get out all the, uh, I'm I'm going to say it, crap out your head to start the day. Yeah. Uh, I've been using that exercise, just literally whenever, especially when I'm feeling a bit rubbish, I'll just start the day off with a coffee, writing down whatever it is so and it's, it'll just normally start like okay so it's another day and then you just literally write whatever is going on in your head and sometimes it's just a page of like stream of conscious thought of like oh well I was feeling a bit upset by like that email or you know or or this thing happened to me in a coffee shop <laughs> like, and it's just yeah whatever thought and even down to like or you know can I write that thought yes I can write that thought it's just getting all the like, yeah weird stuff that we don't realize is in our heads onto paper like a brain dump yeah yeah and so then you're like love it clear brain and then you kind of get on with the day so it's just that's something I try to do as much as possible I'm not great at it sometimes I forget but it's a really especially when you're just I don't know I think sometimes you really need that it's almost like having someone to talk to but you're talking to yourself on paper so yeah yeah 
highly recommend the artist way just fyi it's uh yeah i won't i'm not gonna spoil any more of it but keep going with it well it's um yeah i can't remember what encouraged me to buy it but it had so many incredible reviews and so many people spoke so highly of it and so yeah i did buy the book it was quite expensive from memory the actual book oh yeah uh, so if you can get it secondhand, I think it was about £25 or something. I think it was quite expensive. But oh, it's I mean, a multi-million copy worldwide bestseller. So there we go. I'll give it a go and I'll report back. <laughs> do, definitely. I think I got the Kindle version just because then I could take it wherever, with me wherever I want. I think it was probably about £12. So not as much. Oh, maybe a tenner. Genius. Well, I know myself. And look, do I want to store this? No. Do I want to keep it with me? No. Yes. So... <laughs> Especially when you're remote as much as you are, for sure. Yeah. Because yeah. it's one of those things that they do advise once you've finished, come back, like, when you need it. So, and I know myself, I, I found, like, halfway across the world, and I'm going, oh, I wish I had my artist way book. I've now got it. So. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, I think that's probably the bit, one of the biggest things that helps me massively for remote living is just, especially when you're by yourself a lot and doing a lot of solo travel, is being able to brain dump massively definitely has like helps a lot especially if you're not somebody who openly feels they can talk to their friends and family about everything Mm. if you're a bit more introverted and and you don't think something that some of my friends says oh I don't want to burden you with all my thoughts it's like no please Mm. like please I will offload everything to you (laughs) because I'm a very vocal sharer Mm. whereas some people are not and so actually I think that's a really great tool for somebody who isn't as um, comfortable sharing everything so you can just have it more private and get it out and then digest things easier so yeah I love that yeah and sometimes it, it's not because I've, I've been talking to my accountability partner for uh, twice a week for a year and a half now and sometimes you kind of almost can't wait to chat to that person or like call up a friend like you almost just need to get a thought out and that's it like it's gone what does a typical work week look like for you then or like a day let's talk about maybe talk about a day or you pick day or week so each day is so different so if I did a day I, I mean they're all so different so I'll give you a week because it's a bit more uh, of a bigger picture but I make roughly two videos for YouTube a week so they take up a big chunk of my time whether that's a vlog or what I like to call a sit-down video where I'm sitting and chatting about something. Um, so the videos, then there'll be other content for Instagram as well, at Reels. I work with at least a brand a week at the moment, which sounds a bit mad, but when you're working on content, a lot of the time it's two or three weeks ahead or mm-hmm. behind, you know, the content doesn't go live for a while. So I'm always working with a brand, even if it's a negotiation part. So I'm dealing with that. And then a lot of the time, like I said, with the the admin, it's just the emails, the contracts, the replying to people, constantly updating my media kit and sending insights to brands for how well the content went. Or I might be in London attending an event. We used to go to London at least once a week, sometimes a couple of yeah, a couple times a month, roughly. So that keeps me busy. Or maybe it's even attending a, lo- a local event. So I'm always doing something. Yeah, it's completely mixed. I, I mean, last year I also had my own podcast, so we'd record an episode for that regularly. Always doing a mixture of content creation or admin. So yeah, I've got my own little home office and it's cute. Um, it's nice and girly, but being able to have a remote life, I like to pick up my laptop and take it with me wherever I go. So I might go and work from the gym, go work from the coffee shop, 
have a dog so you know she takes me out places we go places and I can work for my phone as well so what's crazy is that I was in the gym the other day and I went for an outdoor swim and then I sat in the hot tub and I did like 12 emails <laughs> from the hot tub <laughs> and I sat there and was like wow this is not normal like there were people just chilling re- relaxing and I had my phone over the edge like just got to reply to that one person in it yeah it's actually really productive who knew so <laughs> that to me is literally living the dream though so I love yeah. that yeah I honestly felt like wow I used to dream of these days and now I'm just living them like they're so normal and honestly I looked at myself like I took a little selfie and sent it to Benj like <laughs> can you believe this is my life and he was like do you want to see what I'm doing today? I was like, no, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> He's on a building life. site. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, just let me appreciate this moment. So yeah, no, it's wild. It's crazy. But um, yeah, every week's so different. And before the pandemic, I used to travel a lot. I used to be away at least once every month, if not every other month, about five to six trips a year. And those trips were quite big parts of my content and mm-hmm you know, sharing them. So although I'm not like a digital nomad per se, and I don't um, travel all the time, when I do travel, it's like a big thing. I do a packing video and loads of vlogs and trip reports. And yeah, it takes up a big chunk of time. So yeah, that's what my typical working weeks and life is like. Love that. So no day ever looks the same. Love it. And you mentioned briefly um, about doing your content for brands. What are some of your top tips for collaborations? Uh, Either you can give some general tips or maybe pick one particular brand that you have a process for. So I would say don't be afraid to reach out and introduce yourself. I think there's a lot of chat around pitching and, and how you approach brands. But if it's a brand that you love and use regularly, And especially if you've already done organic content for them, I don't think there's anything, you've got nothing to lose by introducing yourself. Um, And this has worked really well for me this year in particular. Like I know, well, I love Tangle Teaser hairbrushes. So I reached out to them and said, look, I love your hairbrushes. I featured them in this video. I packed them on all these trips. Here's where you can see how much I love you. If you ever want to work with me, please do. And they've, I think they worked with me three times last year. So well, this year, 2021. So It's fascinating to me how so many creators don't want to put themselves out there or don't feel they have the confidence enough to introduce themselves to a brand. Because at the end of the day, even though it's a big brand, there's still a human behind that. There's still a PR person. There's still somebody that works in that marketing department. Somebody's job is to work with influencers. And people work with people. They want to work with good, loyal, easy to work with people. And if you show up as that person and you make PR's life really easy and, you know, you tick all their boxes, then why not? So yeah, but my work is sort of like 60% come to me and 40% I will say hello because I just think why not? So yeah. Indeed. But believe in yourself. Absolutely. And do you um, have any tips for maintaining those relationships as well? Because like you said, it's a person behind the brand. So do you is there any particular ways that you keep those relationships up? Yeah, so I think always treating that person like they are, you know, a nice person behind the emails. I always will be as polite as possible and say please and thank you and be as efficient as possible when it comes to creating their content reports and, and sending it over without them having to ask. Just being as efficient as I can. And then when it wraps up, trying to book in 
the next one. Or if you haven't worked with them for a couple of months, reach out again and say, hey, it was so successful. My audience really liked it. I really enjoyed working with you. Like I worked with Fragrance Direct in the summer and they were lovely to work with. Such a great company. And uh, they sent me a really lovely perfume. I said, I've actually like half used this bottle. I'm really enjoying it. What are you working on? What's new? I'm actually going out to Mallorca and I think I could get some really lovely content while I'm out there because that to me is about being on holiday and um and they said oh we've got a perfume that's called alive and it's all about empowering women to feel alive and what makes them feel that way and I was like this is perfect we are such a good match this product is perfect your company's perfect my audience will love it I'm excited about the content I'm going to make on my trip it was like a win-win but I don't know they were so busy with Black Friday and Christmas maybe that collaboration wouldn't have happened if I hadn't been the one saying hey I'm by the way just let you know I'm going out away and I'd love to work with you so yeah I think keeping on top of when you last worked with that company and if you have content that's coming up that you're like, actually, that would work so great for that brand. Like uh, I work with Readly quite a lot. They're a magazine subscription app. I love them. Mm. And I'm going to London in January. And I know as a consumer, I will be using Readly on the train. So I've pitched out to them and said, I'm going to London and I'm going to be using your app anyway. So if you want to sponsor the vlog, like that'd be great. And they were like, yeah, we'd love that. So you have to just try and um, try and reach back out with them. And also I do continue to do organic content outside and I always over deliver. So I always give a little bit more than maybe I've promised. So if they've asked for one photo, I often will do a carousel and do mm. a couple or maybe I'll give them an extra story or yeah, I really try and keep on top of things. I'll even go as far as like screenshotting lovely comments that people have read or DM'd me about the, that brand and that collaboration. Like I bought a Tangity's brush because I saw it with you and I'll screenshot it and I'll put it all together in the content report and then the brand can see that all in one place you know I will actually use Canva and make a report rather than just dumping all the insights if it's a small campaign then I I don't go to that extent but if I've worked on a big thing and they've got stories they've got a grid post maybe they've got a YouTube video as well I'll create a nice little report that's like Brogan Tate x the brand all the photos I produced for them a summary of how I thought it went, all the insights, all the comments. And it's just lovely. The brands love it. So, okay, and it makes okay. them want to work with me again and again. You're, yeah. you're a PR dream <laughs> in that respect. Like, <laughs> honestly, because yeah. there is, a, like, I, I completely, I haven't been on both sides myself. It, I don't think it should be necessarily a, a requirement, but when you're that PR going back to your team saying, here's your return on investment. This is what we've been doing. Because influencer marketing also is just still a very new concept, especially online, that when a content creator can either do that extra story or that extra post. When I'm, I was writing my reports, it would make me feel so much better and feel so much more confident in what I was doing. And of course, you then also, like you said, want to employ that person again because you know mm. they care. I think that's the biggest thing. Mm. Not necessarily about doing extra content and not, not knowing your worth, but I think... Building that relationship is so important. And that is one of the like small ways that makes it so much better as well. So <laughs> you're a PR dream. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's funny because I'm really good friends with a lot of the PRs now. Like I've been on press trips with them. We spent a whole week together mm. and, you know, we get on well. We're like, we're mates. They mm. really like my content and, I'm, and that's lovely. And yeah, I've worked with some PRs that aren't quite as friendly and they're just trying to get the job done. But I am so invested in this job and it's so close to me in my home and life that I care so much and and most of the time the PRs really love that and I really try and make it work the best that I think it will work and I'll go out of my way to find out how we can fit this content in beautifully and 
I just really enjoy having that relationship. But like you, I've, I've also been a PR marketing manager. So mm. I used to be on the other side. I've worked with creators. I know what it's like. And unfortunately, some of them are hard to work with um, and they don't make your life easy. And um, the expectation and relationships are not healthy. So, you know, at the end of the day, we're all here. We're all trying to have a business. We're trying to get the same outcome. So I want to make it as smooth as possible. And I think because I don't have management, which to me, honest, we could do a whole extra podcast on that. My gosh. Um, but because I don't have a team, I don't have somebody in the middle, pros and cons. Mostly the pros is that people have a direct line to me. Mm-hmm. So they really get a good relationship. We get a good relationship. We can build that. I think if you have a tier of management, you lose that chance mm-hmm. to have a closer relationship. I get the chance to say thank you for working with me. I get the chance to ask more questions that maybe a manager wouldn't always be able to ask to make it more personal. So yeah, it's uh, working with brands is so exciting to me. Mm. I love it. Cool. Um, So one final question from me is how do you plan content and plan for your business year? Okay. So I love planning content. I never used to. I used to just wing it. But actually, it's so valuable to plan out what you're going to make. It makes life so much easier. So the most important part of my business is I actually have a business coach, which changed my life having a coach. And I think there's loads of ways that we can all work together as self-employed people. I know you have an accountability partner. I think that's an amazing way to have that. But my business coach, Laura, she basically sits down with me once a month. We do about four hour call and we go through what went well the month before, what was the most popular content, what was being viewed the most uh, and what did the audience like and then how my month is looking for the next month and what my life is like. So if I'm going on a particular trip, I'm going to London, can we make a London vlog out of that? Um, I need to do a home video. I try and have like pillars uh, of like home, Disney, vlogs like you know there's a bit of mixture of things so I'll plan out the type of videos I want to make with her and then that's how I work month to month when it comes to yearly we'll look at the big things that are in yearly mostly trips so if there's any big trips going on then we'll work content around that but um together we we basically look at my diary my I use iCal like so basic but um and I I'll put in the videos and then the brand deals because they obviously normally have deadlines and I just am able to work out when I need to record that video when I need to edit it when it goes live or when I need to send insights to a brand when I invoice them so I sort of have a good thread of things to do in, in the order I need to do it and it works smoothly for me so yeah that's how I plan out my content I know exactly what I'm making every month and it's great. Obviously, some stuff comes up and I will tweak things here and there, or maybe I move a video to another week, but it's exciting. I love it. Brogan, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It has been amazing. I would love to keep chatting, um, but sadly, you go wrap up. So thank you so much. <laughs> no, thank you for having me. It's been a really lovely conversation. Yeah, I've enjoyed it so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Remote Life and thank you Brogan for your awesome insights. You can find links to her YouTube channel and website below. Tag Brogan at BroganTateXO and myself Han at HanMeetsWorld and let us know your questions about creating digital content. You can also find the podcast on Instagram at The Remote Life Podcast. Thank you so much again for listening and we can't wait to remote work with you again soon.